Hi, this is Paul Butler. I'm the Senior Pastor of New Heart Baptist Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We hope that this podcast will be a great blessing to you and encourage your life. So, Paul says, For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Uh, and we, believe, we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. Creation is groaning because of sin and suffering inflicted because of a curse that came upon the world because of humans' sin, because of their desire to rule themselves. And God said, rule yourself And this is what's going to happen. Death is going to enter the world and sin will corrupt the perfect world that I've created. And he allowed that to happen and that has affected us. And so we have this this cry within our hearts and then this desire to be free from sin and suffering. Who would like to have a life free of sin and suffering? Do you ever long for it? Does sin ever get on you so bad that you go, I oh, just, oh. when you have a bad day, when you have a bad, mad, sad day, ever have one of those? Have you lost something that really was precious to you, a person? Some of us uh, go through life and we experience things that are unjust and horrible and this whole chapter is written to to this this beautiful church in Rome who were actually going through things. But he says, we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. One day, the followers of Jesus, those who love him, those who are called according to his purpose, will know nothing but good. I don't know about you, that sounds good to me. Nothing but good. We too wait with eager hope. I've been, I'll get to that. Eager hope, I'm coming back to that. Eager hope for the day when God will give us full rights as his adopted children. At the moment, we haven't got all of them. We've got some of them. But he wants us to have full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he's promised. I can't wait for my new body. I was talking to someone yesterday, they're only 30 and they're talking about getting old. (laughs) Anybody under 30 here, put your hand up. You're so young. (laughs) Don't tell me about old. And then Bob over here, how old are you, Bob? 90, 97. Tell Bob that you're old. (laughs) 97, young. Bob's looking forward to his new body. I'm looking forward to my new body. And all you under 30, you're looking forward... Well, actually, you think that your body's all right. (laughs) But you live long enough in this world and you really do start to long for a new body. And you long for a body that's not exposed to sin and suffering. So we wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us full rights... That full rights is this access to all he is, all he has, and all he wants for us. And the biggest thing is this access to to see him as he is. 
to actually have no... Like at the moment, Paul says, we see God like through a veil, through a dark, like, like a dirty window. We kind of, sort of, yes. But then we actually, the Bible says that when we pass through that veil of death into new life, we'll get to see him as he really is. I don't know about you, but in the Old Testament, when anybody saw God as he really was, they didn't live. So, so we will see him as it is and we will live not only, we will, we will just take it in. God will, will, will actually create, recreate our bodies and recreate us in a way that we can live in his presence, in his glory, in his honour, in his power, in his majesty. It's an amazing promise and I'm eager for that. I've been singing Carly Simon's song which I never really liked and I don't know why I'm singing it, but there's a song that she once wrote called Anticipation. And I go, God, why, why, have, got, why have you got me singing this song Anticipation? And we're going to talk about that, how the Holy Spirit moves in our hearts and he'll bring something that you know about or you don't know about and he'll reveal it to you and he'll go, I'm getting your attention. We were given this hope when we were saved. Uh, anybody here who is a follower of Jesus, you've got a hope. A hope that we'll get a new body and a hope that you will no longer suffer sin and suffering. That's your hope. And, and Paul actually explains what this hope looks like. So, so he says, if we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. Uh, but if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. In other words, what he's saying is, if you know you're going to get it, the hope is not a guess, it's an actuality. It's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of waiting for it. You know it's coming, it just hasn't come yet. And he says, so we have to wait patiently for this, this hope, this new body, this new life where there's no sin, there's no suffering, and we're in the presence of our Father. We are adopted children with full access to everything he's got. We get to see him as he is. We get to be in his presence, and we are eternal. We are perfect, and there's no Satan to mess things up. He's dealt with forever. That's a good news. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, Paul says. What weakness? The weakness of having to deal with sin and suffering and the fact that our bodies are longing right, for, for freedom into a new body where we won't experience sin and suffering. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Has it ever got tired? Have you ever got tired of this life? Have you ever got tired of the sin and the suffering, the injustice. Maybe it's against you. Maybe it's against the people that you love. Maybe it's what you see on the news. Someone said to me, uh, we read something this week, that this generation hears more uh, news in one day than in past generations heard in a week. And then Michelle was watching the news the other night and it went for half an hour and literally it wasn't one good news story until the sport. 
Usually they're throwing some kitty cat stories or something like that, you know, or whatever stories, just to lighten it up a bit. There wasn't one good story. We are constantly bombarded with the reality of sin and suffering in our world. And I'll tell you what, it wears on us. It wears on us psychologically, emotionally and physically. It wears on us so that we actually go, oh, makes me weak. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. Has anybody ever been in that situation? Well, I've got some good news for you. We don't know what God wants us to pray for, but, I like the three-letter word, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. I've always thought about me praying. I've never thought about God praying. And that he prays for us. It changes the idea of what the word prayer means. The Holy Spirit prays for us. What's your idea about the word prayer? What do you think of? There is this communication between us and God, that's prayer. But the communication is two-way. And then the Holy Spirit has this communication with the Father and the Son and us. Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings. Um, Anybody ever thought that God has no feelings? All creation groans and we groan. We were made in the image of God and He groans. Why does He groan? He sees our sin, he sees our suffering, he sees our mortal bodies, he sees our weakness and he goes, you know what? I completely understand you. Why? Because I became human. I know, I know what it's like to be in your situation. We have a God who completely gets us. With groanings that cannot be expressed in words. What do you mean groanings expressed in words? What's a groan not ex- uh, cannot be expressed in words? Well, it's uh, it's it's I got nothing but sound, and that sounds not pretty. That 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 groan is a deep, deep cry of our heart. It's it's this gut wrenching, this this deep deep calling. But it's just, i got no words. And here's where the other thing, so the Spirit prays for us, and then the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. So there's communication going on between the Spirit and the Father. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. God knows exactly what's best for us. The Holy Spirit pleads for us. And then the Father is listening to the Spirit, And the Spirit's asking exactly what the Father knows best for us because the Spirit wants the best for us. He wants good for us. The Father wants good for us. The Son wants good for us. And they are constantly talking about you and me. Did you ever think about that? 
that they are groaning over us, that they meaning really talk deeply to one another about us, about what is good for us, about in harmony with God's own will. God wants us to be in line with his will. This is so beautiful, the heart of God, that he would come and dwell within his creation and then from that place he would communicate with us when we can't talk. He would then take the place, have you, you know, when you've got no words, when you're tired, when you're completely confused and overwhelmed by a circumstance, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're an adopted child, then this is what you have. You have a father and you have a son and you have a Holy Spirit who plead and cry and talk to one another about performing God's best will for you, even when you can't ask for it. That's how precious God is. This is so good. Boy, Paul packs a lot into a very few words. And then he finishes with this. And we know that God causes everything, all things, to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And we know. Who's the we? Who was the original we? <laughs> Good, Chris. <laughs> Thanks for coming. <laughs> Who's the original we? Who did, who did Paul write this letter to? It's a letter written to... And what were they? They were a church filled with followers of Jesus. What were they going through? Everything, all things... That's what they were going through, everything and all things. But what did Paul mean by everything and all things? Well, in this chapter, these are some of the things he talked about that were everything and all things. In all things, in everything, God works, is working good. It's in the, everything is in the groaning. It's the releasing from sin and suffering. It's tribulation. It's distress. It's persecution. Famine, nakedness, danger, and sword. We just saw a lady who, who exp saw all that. And you go, and God is working good in all these things. The problem with that is, first of all, is that we suffer from short-sightedness when it comes to God. Uh, short sight is when you can only see things close up, right? I am short sighted, that means I can see short things close to me. If I'm long sighted, I can see the opposite. But we are often short sighted, that means I can only see stuff here, which means that I am pretty much addicted to and obsessed with and focused on two things. I am really caught up in the present and the now. And when, my, when I think about my idea of good, I think about the good has to be now. And when I say now, I mean my now. Your now. And in my time frame. And according to the way I want it. Right? This is how good looks like. If you're good, then you will do this. Anybody with me on that? So the present and the now is an obsession with our culture. We want everything now. 
And when it doesn't happen, we start asking questions about goodness and we start asking questions about love. If you don't give me what I want now, what I think is good, and in the time frame that I think is a good time frame, a caring time frame, a considered time frame, then I am going to start questioning whether you are good and whether you love me. Has anybody ever been there with God? Have you ever wondered, does God really love me because I'm still stuck in this mess? I'm stuck in this injustice. I'm stuck in this really hard situation. I'm stuck in this physical world of which is suffering from sin and suffering and, and, and this body which is decaying, which is open to sickness or disease or problems. We're often short-sighted and so we get addicted to the present and we get addicted to what we see in this life and the outcomes in this life and we can't see beyond. And so what we do, we learn at the end of Romans whoops, that God says, well, actually, my love is not, does not change because of death or life. My love doesn't change because of angels or demons or rulers or people or things that rule over you. My love is not only in this life, but it's in the future. My love is not restricted to the powers that be. My love conquers all those things. So we, we, we struggle because... We want justice now. We want God's goodness to be revealed in our suffering, in our weakness, in our struggle, in our injustice now. And I know and you know, we don't always see it in our time frame. Who knows that? Yeah. But I just want to go back to this. God is able to make all things work together, all things including these bad, sad and mad things, is able to make them all work together for good. And some people say, instead of just for good, they say what? They add two words. There's a song we sing. For good, for my good, for our good, people add those words. But what happens if it's just for good? What happens if there's a bigger picture than me and you? Sometimes I just want it to be for my good. Does anybody want that? <laughs> um, I've, I've thought about this this week and I thought about Stephen's martyrdom in Acts chapter 7. And I thought, how does that work? How does that verse where God works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose for Stephen? Now, I don't know about you, but dying for Jesus, right, in this life, Where's the good for Stephen? Yeah, that's the good for Paul. Because later he could actually go, I, I killed a guy and I've become one of them. 
and God's forgiven me. But Saul was his, the one that was organizing the, the, the martyr, the stoning, because he was holding the coats. He was the one that everybody's looking at. Is it okay to do this? And he goes, yeah, got it. Do it. But what a, where's the good in it for someone like Stephen who's dying, getting pelted with stones? Yeah, there was a moment. Good. He saw into heaven. He saw into heaven. He saw beyond his physical experience. He experienced a goodness that was beyond his physical life, beyond his presence, beyond his physical need. He didn't get rescued from his martyrdom. He didn't get rescued from his bad stuff. He died an absolutely dreadful death. Stony is horrendous. Knocked unconscious eventually and then killed. For good. He got to see the glory open up and his face shone, yes. But there are people who, like this lady's husband who was killed in that, in that tragic massacre did he get to see jesus's glory i don't know but what i know is this is that god's good will come in this life or in the next or both what i've learned about my life with jesus is that there are things that i i was reflecting on is is god good has god been good in my life and the answer is yes, 100%. And the question is, it's not connected to whether I get what I want. He, he remains good regardless of the outcomes that I'm expecting. His goodness is built on his love. Romans chapter 8 goes on and talks about what can separate us from the love of God. All these things? No. None of these things. Nothing. Paul goes to great lengths to explain that the goodness that he talks about that's coming for those who love him and that are called according to his purpose works in all these things and it goes against the grain of humanity. It goes against our thinking that God could be good when things are bad. But then he says, for God did not spare his only son. And yet there was goodness happening through Jesus' suffering and death. What was it that God looked ahead and saw? He saw that his son would rise from the dead, he would send to heaven, and that he would come and sit at his, at his right side, and there he would judge the living and the dead. And then beyond that, he would have all the crowns of the elders thrown at his feet, and everybody would declare him the lamb that was slain, and everybody would look to him and worship him and bring glory to him for all eternity because he was prepared to lay down his life for the good that would come in the future. I've got to see my life in a bigger context than you and I have got to see that God has a plan for you and it's not always going to work out the way you think but he does not change his character and nature which is primarily that he is good and that he is love. Where are you? What are you facing right now? Have you, have you like Job's counsellors, question whether God is really good have you looked at your circumstances and the things that have happened in your life and have you become short-sighted and only seen the bad but not seen that God is good all the time
as I look back on our lives, um, we've faced many struggles over the 36 years of our marriage. We have known unemployment. I've known uh, anxiety and depression. I've known what it is to have no money. Uh, we, for many years, we were not able to buy a house, so we knew what it was like. We moved 30-something times uh, in our married life. We've known... Um, Michelle has had a chronic um, condition. My daughter had a chronic physical condition. She has another one currently, which caused her to have to step down from her role at church. Um, we know what it's like to be dealing with the, the, the sin and the court, the, the things, sin and suffering in our world. Some of you, I know, can testify that God and Graham talked about something that happened in his body and he talked about a deliverance from that, a healing from that. That's from a good God. But what happens when God doesn't deliver you from that? You see, I've got to believe that God works all these things together for good. That somehow, whether in this life or in the next, he's got a way to bring justice He's got a way to bring about a healing, to bring about a wholeness that I can't figure out myself in this life. Some of us have lost people in really, really um, horrible ways to death. Some of you have lost children or parents or, or, or clo people close to you, spouses, in really, really difficult ways. And... And for me, the idea of losing Michelle is just beyond. But you see, nothing's going to change my hope. God is good and he loves me. The fact that he doesn't rescue me the way I want to be rescued or in the time that I want to be rescued or at all, there's something going on that he's... He's at work in. And whether I can see it now, whether you can see it now, God has a plan that in the future, in the next life, everything gets made perfectly good. And I'm counting on that. Because right now, we're all facing injustice, shortfalls, things that don't get perfected. We don't all have resolutions of things that we want resolved. And God goes, can you trust me with that? Because one day it will get resolved. It will get... Like Jesus, it is finished. All things are done. And it will all be made well. We've all gone very quiet. It's hard, isn't it? But this is what faith is like. Faith is actually going, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. That's my hope. My hope is God is good and he loves me. And nothing can separate me from that love. Is there anybody here that feels they've given up? Is there anybody that's overwhelmed by the tragedy 
the crisis, the trauma, just feeling, ah, oh, I just don't know whether I can do this anymore. I've got something to tell you. God's good and he loves you. And he wants to come and he wants you to know that he groans for you in that moment. And he cries for you, he weeps with you and he has not departed from you. And he's going through everything with you. He's good and he loves you.